G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Pleased to know uh, that Justin Marshall is on the line. The All Blacks have all but wrapped up the rugby championship with two games to go after beating the Pumas 36-13 Brisbane on Saturday night. Uh, amazing performance, uh, and I, I look forward to, I guess, uh, at this stage to that monumental 100th test against the Springboks. Uh, good morning to you, Justin Marshall. Um, what uh, I continue to get out of this All Black squad is depth, and we saw it so apparently on Saturday night. Yeah, good morning, Yuri Smithy, and um, good morning to, to all your listeners out there. Uh, obviously, Sort of tapping into the All Blacks in a minute, you'll be a happy man um, with the result from yesterday with the, the mighty Hawks Bay holding on to the shield, which no doubt um, you celebrated over a cold beer with last night. But yeah, tapping into the All Blacks, geez, mate, um, what a difference a year makes, really. Like, uh, you know, around this time, sort of October um, last year when the All Blacks were over in Australia contesting the rugby championship, yes, minus the Springboks, um, it was a very sort of unsuccessful campaign, you would have to say, uh, and there were still question marks after the first Bledisloe this year as well, and the performances maybe um, against you know, Fiji um, in particular, but uh, man, they have hit their straps, and you're absolutely right. We've just highlighted, particularly in recent weeks, the depth that we've got at the moment. So let's look at some of those uh, players that had their opportunity on Saturday night as genuine starters. Uh, Ethan Blackadder, I've actually got a text in as well from uh, PJ from uh, Tamuka, uh, has said, can I ask Justin about the performance of Ethan Blackadder? Yeah, look, I think what what I've always thought, having watched uh, Ethan Blackadder's development, um, particularly once Scott Robertson got a hold of him at the Crusaders um, from Tasman, has been... A bit like, you know, it's awful when you make comparisons because, you know, Toddy, um, I played with him and he was all-black captain and a very good player. But what he also was, was a traditional blindside flanker. He was the roll the sleeves up, get stuck in, run hard, tackle hard, hit hard, and just work work your ass off, basically. And you see lots of those qualities in Ethan. That's the style of player he is. Um, had some trouble with injuries early in his career, which is never nice for a young player. Um, and he's not all that young anymore, but he certainly has found his mojo. Uh, he, What you like about him and the way that he plays is, is he plays the game in that traditional sense. Um, he's He's got a skill set as well to be able to offload the ball in the tackle and prior to the tackle, which is a rare commodity um, when you see some of the, 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 the Lucy's playing the game in the Northern Hemisphere, where Southern Hemisphere players need to be able to do that. He certainly can do that as well as be tough. So he's very, very impressive, and he's exactly what we're after in that position. And he will make sure he keeps everyone honest to earn their selections because he's certainly warranting his at the moment with every performance. Samasoni Toki Aho uh, just seems to make every post a winner from the very first moment when he came on uh, uh, in Hamilton. All that, uh, all that time ago, he, he just seems to, to grow and, and learn. And, um, you know, we're, we're without, 
Well, without Dane Coles, but at the moment he's filling that gap admirably. Yeah, and when when you look at that situation, Smitty, and, and particularly um, in areas where people have to have a certain skill set, I think what um, Tolkiaho has done is when he's got into that environment, the All Blacks, I totally agree, he's he's really learnt. But what he's learnt about is making sure that he fulfils every component of his game. And if I was perfectly honest, um, I always thought that he was uh, a, a pretty good scrummager uh, and that his line-out throwing was reasonably accurate. But his development since getting into that all-black environment, his scrummaging has definitely gone to a new level and I think the accuracy with his line-out throwing has improved. It, it can get better, but he's always been an athlete. He's always going to be able to carry, um, hit hard, run hard. He's got a skill set again. Um, to be able to, to take on defenders and beat them, um, and is, he's explosive. But the All Blacks very make they're very regimented in making sure that you fulfil all your roles honestly, and those set piece orientated ones, and that mate, that includes things like kickoff lifting. You know, like he's got to be in be in position. Like hookers don't traditionally lift in the line out, but when you're when you're receiving kickoffs. He's got to make sure that he fulfills that role and gets that right. So I certainly think his development's been immense, and he's only going to get better. Right, let's look at the halfback situation. Uh, TJ's performance—they've started him twice against um, Argentina. So uh, what, do, what do you think about um, where he's at and going forward to this weekend? What would be your preference? Well, again, another another player that's just continually um, getting getting better, and, that, and people probably go, how, "How does TJ get better? He's been in the All Blacks for, <laughs> for a long, very long time." But when I watched him come off the bench for his for his first game, um, I thought that he struggled a little bit with the pace of the game. Uh, but that, that's always going to be the case when you go from playing club rugby in Japan to playing international rugby, and he hadn't had any um, any Aotearoa or Trans Tasman rugby. I think he'd had a club game maybe at most. So I certainly thought that he was short of a gallop, but he's only grown since then back to the player that he was before he left for Japan. Um, he certainly had, uh, he was always going to adapt reasonably quickly to the pace. Um, what, what I've been really impressed with was the, the quality of delivery. You know, we, we all know that Aaron Smith um, is the best in the world at what he does, and the All Blacks thrive off that and revolve their game plan off it. So if they get somebody, it's just... You know, 20% off the mark in terms of getting to the breakdown um, and, and delivering that ball so that they can get their pattern going, and the whole team will suffer. While the team hasn't suffered, TJ's obviously recognised that he, he needs to be doing that um, as close as he can to what Aaron Smith does and then bring the other qualities that he's got that Aaron Smith doesn't have, which is his strength over the ball and, and probably his power through the tackle, and he certainly has delivered that. So... I would suggest that, that that would have been the concern for, for Ian Foster leading into a game against the Springboks. They'll want to play an up-tempo, fast game. And if he was still not up to the mark there, he probably would have gone for a, a Brad Weber or a Finley Christie. But I think TJ's shown in the last two outings that he's, he's the man for them and then they can inject that different type of player um, sort of in, in the latter parts of the second half. Despite Blackadder's uh, unbelievable performance at the weekend, do you still believe they'll go with uh, back to what they've had against uh, Australia in particular with Papali'i, Akira, Ioani and Adi Savia back to eight. You think that's the makeup of the three Lucys? Yeah, I'm not convinced on it, Smithy. If I was being perfectly honest, which which um, is a bit of a concern, but 
it hasn't let them down. Um, I, I certainly think the emergence of Akira Ioane um, and, and the way that he's playing has helped the balance of that loose forward trio where, where effectively they've got two open sides playing together. And, you know, I'm, again, not convinced that Artie is our, our genuine answer at number eight. But the way, with, the way Akira is playing as, and fulfilling his role, he, he's basically becoming the dominant ball runner, which a number eight traditionally in the past is. And because of that, it allows... Artie to do what he does well, which is be a strength in around the breakdowns where he carries as either a first receiver or he picks and goes. Um, and Papali'i to have a balance in his game where sometimes he's in the outside channel, other times he's tighter to the ball because Akira is all over the park. So, yes, in a nutshell, the balance is working. Is it the future? I'm not 100% on that, um, but I think they'll stick with it for this big test match. What to do with Rico? That's the thing. You've got to play him. He's playing uh, exceptionally good football. But where do you play him? Do you reunite Leonard Brown and Harvili in the midfield, Rico on the wing? Or what would be your preference there? Yeah, I'm going to play as in form like he is. And, and the real positive about Rico and the way he's playing at the moment is he's being asked to fulfil those two roles, you know, slot into the wing or, or then move back to centre. And they do have completely different um, no set of skills to be able to adapt to, uh, you know, defensively in particular. And he, he is managing to work between two of them incredibly well. So I guess that's, that's the big uh, conundrum facing them right now because we've got some depth in the wings and the outside backs as well. Um, I really like the fact that they've, they've settled and players playing their main roles in their main position. So they're either going to select McKenzie or Geordie Barrett um, you know that, that's that's a big uh, big positive and, and a step forward where they were putting Barrett on the wing last year. So you know it means do they shift Rico and either a Will Jordan or a Sevu Reese or a George Bridge misses out? It's a massive headache to have, but a bloody good one. To be honest, um, mm. it's not like me, Smithy, but I've sat big time on the fence of you. I'm not sure what they're going to do there because he's playing so well at centre and he's a massive threat. And he and the thing is, our wingers are scoring tries as well, and he's distributing at the right time. So you know, there's a real possibility they could start him at centre as well. So, yeah, I can't answer that one, but I think we're in a good place and whoever we put out there because the outside four are looking real dangerous for us. Has uh, Ian Foster's style of play come to the fore now? Are we, are we happy that uh, we're starting to, uh, to see um, what, what his, uh, his overall strategy has been? We're, we're a little bit crit- uh, critical of him. Uh, he was always going to have a tough job convincing certain factions, but do you think he's done that? Yeah, I certainly think he has, and I think what he's got is he's got his key decision-makers um, falling in, into being able to adjust and adapt to the way that he wanted to control the game and then getting his um, you know, his players that revolve around that game plan to fall into their roles and, and believe in their roles. And, and again, Akira Ioane is a classic of that in the channels he's been operating in. Um, and, and in particular, when I say, you know, his general's pulling the trigger, you know, Richie Mwanga and, and, and Odin Barrett. Now, there, there's a massive um, conundrum, isn't it? I know that, um, uh, that he's going to have to make that call at some stage where he's going to settle on that 10. And I certainly think that you can see in the way that Bowden Barrett's playing that he believes in the game plan. He believes in what they're trying to achieve out there. Um, you know, you, the, the fact that they've been faultless and haven't missed a beat when you take Aaron Smith, Sam Whitelock, 
and Richie Moanga, who were three of the big players in the mix um, during the Bledisloe Cup, and you, and you get them out of the mix. If the game plan's not working effectively, then it's, then it's going to have some problems and some hiccups, but it didn't miss a beat when Bowden slotted in, when TJ slotted in. Um, you know, when you, when you had to make uh, other other changes around areas of, of the game like they did against Argentina, everybody is buying in. So, yes, I think they all believe in it. What do you make of the Springboks, Justin? Yeah, oh, look, I'm not convinced, Smithy. Um, I, I knew you being the, the, the immaculate broadcaster you are that that question was going to come <laughs> at some stage. So I sort of thought to myself, I'll do some, I'll do some research now. I, I don't think that they are a team that knows the way that they want to play and where their strengths lie. I watched them in the Lions series and thought, they're trying to play territory, but when you're getting the territory, you're looking lost as to how to find your points. And at times I saw Pollard kick bombs inside the 22 on attack. Now that was just weird for me because it looked like a team that's not sure where their strengths lie. Now here's, these are the stats that I came up with. So South Africa in their last five test matches have scored eight tries. New Zealand, in their last five test matches, have scored 27 tries. Now let's just throw some other team into the mix just to sort of give a comparison of where South Africa are at. So I, I researched Australia. In their last five tests, they've, called, they've scored 16 tries. So South Africa is sitting on eight and not finding a way to get points. And for me, that's because I don't feel that they're sure where their strengths lie and how they should be playing. And, and that's a real concern because when they're getting into arm wrestles and test matches and they're not jumping out to a little lead, they're not being able to find a way to break teams down and, and it's costing them test matches. So I've got uh, some real problems in front of them against a team that's going to come at them at 100 miles an hour who are scoring tries all over the park, who have a skill set. From 1 to 15, I, I had a look at the pack that started at the weekend. Fermulin, Mostert, Mostert and Khaleesi. Fermulin probably offloads the ball. Mostert and Khaleesi run hard. Um, Audi and Etzebeth in the second row, neither of them two are ball players. Malherba, uh, Indinkani and Imbanami. Imbanami will pass and, and, and give you the ball uh, you know, when, you, when you need it. But out of, out of those eight... I think there's only two in there that are junior and offloaders, so it makes them bloody predictable, mate. They're just going to run at you hard. Yeah, we know they're a physical side, but it means to me that they're very one-dimensional, so that's why I feel they're lacking a, a, a game plan and how they want to play. Is this the greatest rivalry still, uh, or is the Bledisloe Cup dwarf that? Uh, this this rivalry between South Africa and the All Blacks, 100th Test match coming in, uh, up bearing in mind? I think so, Smitty. Look, the, the All Blacks um, have always said that the Bledisloe is the, the trophy they cherish the most after the Rugby World Cup, and I, and I completely understand that. Uh, probably the biggest issue that, that, that is confronting them at the moment with that particular trophy and the importance of it versus a Springboks game is the success. You know, like 18 years of <laughs> holding on to the Bledisloe has made it a not, not really a contest. So... South Africa have been a real foe and regularly do regularly do beat us. When I say regularly, uh, you know they're one of the teams in the world that can beat us on their day, and and that's you know that's that's a real compliment because the All Blacks are bloody hard to beat at the best of times. So yeah, I certainly think that them being World Cup champions, um, you know, 
they also the number one team ranked in the world. Uh, and again, that, that Australian issue with them not being able to grab the Blethers office for so long, South Africa has taken that significance. So 100 test matches between the two nations, there's so much history there. Uh, I know what it was like to try and win a test series in South Africa for the first time ever. We didn't have many things mm. in our history that we hadn't achieved. So not to do that until 1996, after all of our encounters, shows how important... Um, their history is to them against the All Blacks. So yes, in my mind, at the moment, the way the current status of the game is, these are the these, these are the biggest clashes. Justin, as always, uh, thanks very much for your time this morning. Uh, also, thanks for doing that research. Um, and um, yeah, what's your next gig? Uh, when will we hear you again? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure at the moment, Smithy. Obviously, I'm I'm a bit like everybody else. We're in limbo, um, waiting to see when we move alert levels and when we can get back to regular work. So at the moment, um, there's a possibility I'm scheduled in to get to Auckland for the for this big test match at the weekend on Saturday, but that all revolves around um, a change in levels to level three for me. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to travel. So the unknown is after that, but I'm pretty keen to get back on the tools. Um, great to see rugby again uh, over the last couple of weeks. It's been been nice to see it on our, on our TVs. And, uh, yes, yeah, it's been be nice to get to the venues for once. Yeah, uh, I can tell you, McLean Park was pretty cool yesterday. It was a nice little atmosphere there. Yeah, it was very cool, and what an intriguing game, but it was great to see. I know that there, there was obviously not a Ramfrey Shield crowd there, but a scattering of people there that got an entertaining afternoon and probably one that uh, had a few um, hearts and mouths at the time. But, yeah, it was great to see afternoon rugby and um, a quality game as well, and the Ramfrey Shield delivering, as it always does. Hey, and listen, just, just finally, yay or nay? Uh, Ramfilly Shield goes to extra time or 80 minutes, 80 minutes? 80 minutes, 80 minutes. That's, that's history, that's tradition, so yay. Good on you, man. Good on you, as always. Yes, always agree. Justin Marshall, thanks, mate. Thank you. I hope you get to, to get to Auckland and uh, we can hear you this weekend for that 100th Test match between... Um, the All Blacks and Springboks it'd be actually very appropriate that Justin was able to call that because uh, being part of that history back in 96 he knows the feeling